0: The Glory Center would like to welcome you to this podcast. We hope that this teaching will encourage and minister to you. And now, the message. Today, continuing in Foundations, uh, Part 4, Identity in Christ. Hallelujah. And I am very excited about this. All right, so we'll just start here and see how we do top of the page one there oh I didn't receive the giving I'm sorry yeah 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 thank you Lillian that reminded me there so we'll receive the only preacher I'm telling you uh so if you still need I know I saw even when Sherry I saw Sherry I didn't even think but I think I thought I already did it so if you need an envelope or just a basket or a pen just wave it over there he'll take care of you and thank you guys Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay, we'll just uh, get started here. Top of the page. Page one. So I put the, uh, the greatest and most fundamental truth about your, our identity is who we are in Christ. Your identity in Christ is the real you. There is no other you that exists outside of your identity in Him. In other words, you are not in Adam. When reading the Scriptures, notice, remember, and confess, you know, make it a way of life in other words, the many Scriptures that speak of who you are in Christ, in Him, in whom, etc. So in other words, you'll read the Scriptures and you'll see, you know, just verse after verse, in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, in Him, by Him, through Him, through whom, etc. So just, that's your identity. Um, knowing, believing, and regularly confessing who we are in Christ is how we experience and continually appropriate our rights and privileges in Him. And then i got a few verses here to expound on that. First John 4.17, incredible scripture says, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. And then he says, because as he is, Jesus, so also are we in this world. Woo! Not just when you get to heaven, but in this world. That's just too, that's too good to be true, but it's true, you know. As he is, so also are we in this world. So if Jesus is accepted by the Father, so are we. If he's blessed, so are we. If he's healthy, so are we. Now, we need again, we need to believe and confess and appropriate those realities Um, because experience and the devil will try to always, daily, convince us otherwise. But who we are in Christ is the real us. I can commit a sin, but that doesn't mean I'm a sinner because I've been born again, born from above. I'm a new creation. My body can scream, you're sick and dying, and it's just no way around it, but the scriptures always change, uh, change, always, never change, always say, by whose stripes you were healed. My dad was was out, my dad almost never, he's walked in what many would call divine health for probably over 40 years now, um, almost never, ever get sick at all. Uh, But one time he was out working, doing something in the yard, And out of nowhere, something hit him, and he absolutely hit the ground, couldn't breathe, I mean, you know, barely, in other words, and crawled into the house, literally, crawled up into the bed, and was, you know, felt like he was dying, and he started talking to the Lord, and long story short, the Lord said, to the effect, basically, what's my word say? well, Lord, it says by your stripes I'm healed, but I feel like I'm about to die. And the Lord said, what's my word say? Well, it says by your stripes I'm healed, but, I mean, the Lord's so stubborn, he just refused to change his mind to fit my dad's experience. He just will, he's just stubborn like that. He will not change his mind to fit our situation or experience. His word is always true. We don't have enough bread and fish here. Well, he says we do. <laughs> He's looking from another dimension. He's looking at the kingdom within, the greater one within, not the less than, without, or outside of us at all times, you know. First Corinthians 6, check this out, uh, 15 and 17. And th- this is just breaking down these next two verses, Spirit, how your spirit, soul, and body are all, you know, in the Lord. He says here, "'Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ?' So notice that. Your bodies are the members of Christ. And he's he's correcting them here because the Corinthians were coming out of extreme paganism. He says, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? So part of the Corinthian worship was they would go to their pagan temples and sleep sexually with the temple prostitutes. That was part of worship to particular pagan gods. And Paul's having to, they've been born again. Paul's and baptized in the Spirit, but Paul's having to teach them out of these errors that are, you know, untruth. But even in the midst of something as unfathomable as that, Paul says, Your members are the members of Christ. So are you going to take the member of Christ and join it to a harlot? Notice he didn't say, Well, you used to be a member of Christ, but since you sinned like this is a big sin, now you're cut off and out of fellowship with God. He doesn't say that. He corrects them, he brings change, he brings truth. But he does it the right way, which is reminding people who, who who their true identity is, who you are in Christ. Because if you preach to born-again people as if they're sinners, we're not ever going to overcome sinful things. Because you're you're it's like trying to make a cat act like a dog. It doesn't have the nature to do that. And you you preach to believers as if they're still sinners. You better overcome sin. You gotta die to the flesh, you gotta die to sin. Well, the scriptures say you did die to sin, repeatedly. Romans 6 is a whole expose on it. So it's not you need to die to sin, it's you died to sin. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Awake, wake up to righteousness and sin not. Believe you're the righteousness of God and sin will lose its appeal because you're not made for that. You're made for something better. Then he says this, God forbid, and then verse 17 But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So here, your body and your spirit, he tells us, are members of and joined unto the Lord. And then the next verse, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him, quoting from the Old Testament. But, and then the New Covenant, we have the mind of Christ. So spirit, soul, and body, were fully connected to him. That's a pretty good deal. All right, uh, bottom of the page there, Galatians 3, check this out. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Well, that, that drops a hammer on a lot of theology. There is neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and the heirs according to the promise. Galatians three and four, Paul really unpacks that whole thing where you know the Lord told Abraham in yeah you can turn in uh, Genesis chapter twelve that through Abraham through the blessing on Abraham now he told Abraham he was blessed before Abraham ever did a thing or obeyed him in anything. So you start out blessed. You don't, you, obedience comes out of being already blessed. You're blessed so you can obey. Right? It's not God dangling the carrot in front of you so you can earn the blessings. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing already in Christ. Does that make sense? And so, but he told Abraham that through you I will bless the whole earth, or the nations. See, God's promise, God never had this promise to only the Jewish people. And there's Dispensationalism says the church was literally teaches was God's plan B. That it wasn't his original plan, but because the Jewish people rejected him, he decided to create the church, and later on he'll deal with the Jews again. Well, the scripture never teaches that. And read the book of Acts. Thousands upon thousands of Jews did accept their Messiah. So this idea that the Jews rejected their Messiah on a whole scale, we know the religious leaders did, uh, but this idea that it was just a wholesale rejection rejection is thoroughly unscriptural. And so God doesn't have... I mean, read the book of of Romans. Paul says, what was the special place for the Jews? He says, God gave them the oracles of God. In other words, he he had to start with somebody. So the oracles came through them. And then he goes on and says, more or less, but the descendants of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, is whoever believes in Jesus. So there is no extra special blessing on being a natural Jew no more than there is an extra special blessing on being a natural cubano or korean or caucasian american or anything else that there's no such thing as that you're blessed cuz you're in christ all right so there isn't some special future dealing with the jews they got to come through the cross the same way everybody else does hallelujah and that's really good news 2nd corinthians 5 top of page 2 Check this out. And I love, 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 love these scriptures here. Some of my absolute favorites. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm -mm. Gosh, I love that. Then he says, the old things passed away. New things have come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And, that, and there's that's really powerful in the Greek, but new creation, it can mean a brand new species that never existed before. Um, I say this a lot, and I know it's hard to, you know, even for me to grasp, and I'm the one saying it, but what we have is even beyond what Adam had. Now, Adam, before the fall... Um, we don't have as much insight there as sometimes we think, but I certainly think his part of the world—not the whole world—because the world was, the Scripture says, formless and, and uh, void and without form. But in the Hebrew, it's, it says it was a, a waste space. It was really bad. Whatever had happened, probably something to do with Satan and his fall. You know, but but he put Adam there to to replenish, to regain dominion on the earth in some capacity. So I think wherever the Garden of Eden was, I think that was good. But everything outside of that was not good, which is why Adam was supposed to replenish and take that dominion and bring heaven back to earth. Does that make sense? But which he failed, and then Jesus eventually came as the second man, the last Adam, and succeeded where um, Adam failed. But we have it better than Adam in that, even though Luke says Adam was the son of God, not not the same way Jesus is, but the way that we are by creation. Um, But Adam didn't have the eternal sacrifice laid up to his account. So one sin, boom, it's all done. It's over with. But we have the eternal sacrifice. And so even if we miss the mark, we don't blow the whole deal. <laughs> Thank God. It's not up to us. If it was, we are the weakest link. You know? But the new covenant's between the Father and the Son. And so we're in the Son, and the Son never fails, so we don't fall out of the covenant, which is incredible. Then he says this, uh, He made him who knew no sin to be sin, to be is not there in the Greek, as I say a lot, on our behalf, so that we would become the righteousness of God in Him. So we're no longer in Adam. We're a new creation. We're not that sin person we used to be. Thank God. And then under that, on point A, I said, in Christ, we have been uh, remade new in His own image and likeness. Any identity that we had in Adam or the old things that the verse spoke of, is gone. And all that is left is our new identity in Christ. And Then under B I said, to be in Christ is to be righteous. The believer doesn't grow in righteousness. You either are or you are not. The old you that was defined by sin and unrightness, or unrighteousness, is completely gone. And all that is, two S's there, oops. All that is left I was really emphasizing it I guess is a new Christ like you that is fully right with God Satan ever combats us in such a way as to try to convince us that we're still in Adam but victory is maintained by always standing our ground in our real identity in Christ Whew. and and the devil you know even me you know over the years after I met the Lord, there, there were and have been numerous occasions where I met at work one night. I cut my finger kind of bad, and I had to go to the, the ER or whatever and get it sewed up. And, and like they tried, they wanted to give me a little pain pill or something. And then there were a few other times. Actually, right after I got saved, like a month, a uh, couple of months later, I had to get all four of my wisdom teeth taken out. And to do the procedure, they wanted to give me. Liquid volume, and then they wanted to send me home with Demerol, a pretty powerful pain pill. I used to get, you know, get high on not Liquid Valium, but Valium and Demerol, you know. And I was a needle junkie, and you know, and so I just, you know, I'm saved for two months, more or less, maybe three, but in that vicinity. And I just said, nope, not happening. Just give me the numbing stuff, which they did. And then they sent me home with ibuprofen, 800, you know, and I barely had any swelling at all, and I only had to miss a day or two of work just because I worked in a, uh, uh, I don't, cabinet making factory. Is that what you'd call it? <laughs> uh, it made cabinets, you know, and there's a lot of dust in the air, and they didn't want me to take a chance with an abscess, or, you know, anything like that. Um, but I, you know, I could, I think the next day I could eat, you know, fine and just really no problems at all. I just, when your back's against the wall, a lot of times, I mean, you can really believe God, (laughs) you know, and that's how I felt. But at that time, in my mind, I wasn't really renewed yet. And it it took me years before I realized, wait a minute, I'm not that same Jordan that used to be a, a pill head and everything else head. And so I can take a medication if I need to, and not have to worry about addiction and losing it all and da 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 Because I'm not that person anymore. I've been born again. I'm a new creation. That Jordan's dead. You know? And so, no problem. And so, that that's a just a good example there, I think, of that. At least one of my life. Um, check this out. Romans 6. Oh, these verses are so good. It's just incredible. Romans 6, 3 and 4, and then 11. Paul says, Do you not know... Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in the newness of life. Even so, consider yourselves to be Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is so powerful. And then I said, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is our death, burial, resurrection. And his ascension is ours too, by the way. Just as Jesus is dead to sin, and sin has no place in him, and death has no dominion over him, the same is completely true for us. That's not always our experience, but it is always our truth. Can you dig it? And you guys know it, it took me eight months after I born again, got baptized in the Holy Spirit a few months later, but it took me eight months of confessing the Word. And I had a few scriptures I stood on um, to be, you know, because and you guys know the story, but just in case someone doesn't, some you know, uh, saved a couple of months, Call my dad, dad, I, I know I met the Lord, I know I'm born again, I know it really happened, I know he healed my body that night, but now I'm wanting to get high. I don't want to want to get high, but I want to get high. And so he said, long story short, he said, you're already free, you just don't know it. So he started teaching me these things, who I am in Christ, and how to stand on the word, and how to walk the floor. You can sit too, but, you know, walking's fine too. But how to stand your ground, you know, take time and worship the Lord. Norville used to say, if you worship God for something, before you see it, you'll see it. That's faith. What does faith do? Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. And then they are. You understand? That's in Romans 4. But I stood on John chapter 8. I know the truth, and the truth has made me free. I am free. Not I'm going to be. I am. Faith is now. I am free from addiction because I'm a new creation in Christ. And then I used Ephesians 6 because I, I. you feel so weak and helpless and like there's no way. This, this thing's over overpowering me. But I would use Ephesians 6. I am strong in the Lord. I'm weak in the Jord, but I'm strong in the Lord. You know, I don't know if I said it that way, but that was the gist of it. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then I was at my dad's house one day, and hes we were talking about some of this stuff. And this, this was different than the night you guys have heard me share when it manifested, but this was several months before that. Uh, we're talking about it, and he saw an angel more or less behind me. Uh, where is re- in the kitchen where the refrigerator was, and so he knew the Lord was emphasizing what he was telling me in that moment. And it was in Colossians 1, which is in the handout here, we'll be there in a minute. Uh, Colossians 1, giving, giving thanks to the Father that's worship, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Uh, King, You know, different translations, but King James says, Who hath made us meet, M E E T, but most translations say, Who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance. And so I stood on those verses primarily. Uh, Norval used to say, find a verse that covers your case. You know? And so if you need something for healing or freedom or joy or strength or whatever, find a verse that covers your case. And then the night that that it happened, I was in in my bedroom at my dad's house, worshiping the Lord and the Lord spoke to me and said, and it sounded to me on the inside, like an explosion, like fire, like a Fourth of July fireworks show. The city, where the city or the county does it, and it's that's you know the big fireworks and it, the boom. That's what it sounded like inside of me. His voice, uh, but he said this quote: "The second you were saved, sin became dead to you." And that's what I didn't know. Romans six taught it, taught it like we just read it. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin. That doesn't mean you'll never sin. It just means sin doesn't have dominion over you. Period. And that's amazing. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, Galatians 5, uh, bottom of the page there and I'm about to turn to page 3. He says, I am, notice that, I am crucified with Christ. Who? I just got to, I remember where I was at the, the day that this rev, revelation or truth came to me. Um, but when you believe in the Lord, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's beyond space and time and and really understanding. But I think you'll understand it. But when you believe in the Lord, in that moment, somehow God transcends time and connects you to where His death is your death. You died with Him. Does that make sense? Like, literally. I know we're not physically there. I know we're alive thousands of years. I understand that. But I also understand... I am crucified with Christ. So his death, as we just read in Romans 6, is our death. That's incredible. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What faith is that, Paul? He loved me and gave himself for me. That's the faith you form your your Christian life, your faith life around. You stay anchored to that ever reality. He loved me. He gave himself for me. That, that God will never change his mind about those things. He will never say, I oh, don't love you anymore. Well, the cross used to be for you, but you've really blown up this time. Now, you know, nope. You're ever crucified with him. Hallelujah. Uh, top of page three, he says, uh, or I said, notice Paul says, I am crucified with Christ in the present tense. Top of uh, page three, there a eh? notice. Paul says, "I am crucified with Christ in the present tense." Among other things, this verse illustrates the powerful truth that faith is now, and I, I drive that home a lot, and I think it's important. Uh, faith is present tense. Faith is now. There are, we have we 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 come to learn. Um, like prayer, there's different dynamics of prayer. Um, there's prayer just for supplication if you have needs. There's the prayer of intercession. There's praying in tongues. There's uh, groanings. There's any number uh, of prayers. But faith is is similar. Um, Our faith works for us, but it doesn't... You can't override another person's free will. Does that make sense? So you... But you have... Like you have... Your faith can be... It would seem a little more directly effective, like for your own kids, than maybe for Johnny and Sally over in Illinois or whatever. I'm not saying I'm not saying be discouraged in your faith. I'm just saying it's a little. There's different dynamics. You know, just like just like natural laws, things work in certain ways, and and things don't work in certain ways, and so um, there are certain things that you know, you, you faith for, you pray for, you believe for, and you know it's God's will and you know it's coming. And it might be like we pray for our nation and some things might be in the works and coming down the road for because for, there's free will and there's just so many things at work. But like for yourself, you don't believe, Lord, I believe one day you're going to heal me. That's not really faith. Faith is no. I believe what the Word says. By your stripes I am healed and was healed. And Isaiah says am healed because he's looking prophetically in the future. And then Peter says, after the cross, by whose stripes you were healed. So that's a right now thing. I don't I don't put that off in the future. Does that make sense? That's important. That's very important. Um, God's timing for your individual provisions and blessings from the cross are always now. All right? Does that make sense? All right. Um, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, these are great scriptures. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... And you have. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died. Hallelujah. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Woo! That is powerful. When Christ, notice this, who is our life. So Jesus is our life. That's just amazing. Oh. When Christ who is our life is apocalypsed or revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Here Paul exhorts us to think with uh, to think with or as there I go again, illiteracy, you're welcome, as heaven thinks. And we can do so because we're already seated there in and with Christ. Jesus is seated in heaven, and so are we. And thus, we can think like heaven, believe like heaven, and get heavenly results here and now. In other words, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. So we can think like heaven because we're seated there. And the kingdom is within us. And so we, if we think and believe like heaven, we can get heaven results, which is incredible. Uh, number six there, Ephesians 1 through 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, notice that, past tense, blessed, past tense, us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So we're blessed because of. We're in Christ, which is awesome. Because if it was up to my own innate goodness and worth, whew, it's like the prodigal son, when he comes home, he says his his speech, you know, he rehearsed, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The good news is, you, you, it was never about you being worthy. You're a son because you're a son. You're a daughter, because, like my kids, There's no innate worth that they had to measure up to to become mine. They're ours because they're born of us. And that just can't change, which is awesome. We're blessed because we're in Christ. All right, A there, uh, under 6A. In Christ, we're not trying to get the blessings of God. We have already been blessed as much as is possible. Forgiveness, righteousness, holiness, provision, authority over demons the anointing, etc. Man, I I am so illiterate on this one. I don't know what happened. Are Are already ours in Christ. Receiving these blessings isn't about getting them from God, but rather it's about using our faith to appropriate and experience them because they're already ours. And we use the example oftentimes of You know, somebody gives you a million dollars, here's the, the card to withdraw, here's the pin number, it's already yours, just go appropriate it, go withdraw it. And so, Jesus is the firstborn, and we know the blessing is laid up to the firstborn, and well, guess what? Romans 8 says, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So whatever his blessings are as the firstborn, those are the blessings that we have because we're in him, as this verse powerfully illustrates Alright, be there. Uh, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Wonderful scriptures. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You ever You ever read Deuteronomy 28 and get discouraged? <laughs> if you've read it, you have. <laughs> well, the good news is Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it is written, and this is from Deuteronomy, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And then he says, So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We've been blessed. Top of the page there, Colossians uh, 1, which I mentioned a few moments ago. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. So you're qualified. That's good news. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued, past tense, he rescued us from the kingdom or the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, Boy, that's good. Remember Jesus said in John's gospel, he says, Satan comes, the end of chapter 14, but he has nothing in me. I mean, there, there's no nothing in Jesus that Satan could grab hold of and, and dissuade him or whatever. Well, we've been brought out of the kingdom of darkness too. Now, I know we're not Jesus. You understand we're, you know, we're not, but... We have Jesus within us, and we can ever grow in these things by the grace of God day by day. As Second Corinthians says, we're ever uh, changed from glory to glory, right? And, and so we grow in these things, and that was, again, one of the verses that I, used, I would confess, that I have been transferred out of that kingdom of darkness. I'm not that old person. I'm not in Adam. I'm not fallen. I'm not that sin creation I once was. I'm a new creation. I'm out of darkness. I'm in light. So that's a pretty good deal. Uh, D, Second Peter there, seeing that his divine power, his divine power, has granted to us everything pertaining to life, that's abundant life, eternal life, you understand, and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has... Granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped past tense, the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we've been made partakers of the divine nature, and he's granted us what he calls precious and magnificent promises that's a pretty good deal now seven here uh, I'm just going to look at a few specific examples and we're about wrapped up here on these this is one of my these are these last two are just a couple of specific examples I, I've in other words you know I, I started out we're truly in Jesus he's truly in us that's who we truly are and then I gave you know these several verses of we've been blessed and i think we've clearly established that we're not the old creation we're new we're blessed we're sanctified we're righteous etc and then here's just a couple of specific examples and some of my favorite scriptures second corinthians chapter 8 now check this out he says for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich and then point a that word rich in greek means wealth now what's wealth it just means more than enough right don't people get all tore up over some of these things but it's right here in the bible let's deal with it it means wealth which is you know abundance or abundance of material resources that is what it means it's it's all of second corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 are talking about finances if you read them and so it's not just being spiritually wealthy which we are but in other words God is a good father who provides and so we don't need to let anyone talk us out of that especially the people of God the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and you know lots of bad teaching has told us that as things technological advancements and things like that as these things happen we're we're always every you know it's a sign of the end it's bad it's terrible it's this it's that when the people of God should be the ones you know racking up because if we have the 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 means then you have influence and power and the bottom line is share the gospel you know and uh, who uh, somebody may know this I I can't recall who it was but. Some, I think it was a well-known person, a minister, uh, was asking the Lord. I think it was about smartphones or, or iPhone or something like that. The The long and the short of it was, uh, they well, Lord, why did you, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, Apple, they're not a believer, da-da-da. And the Lord said, well, I tried to give it to a believer or believers, something some to this effect. Tried to give it to, who you know, a believer, but they wouldn't listen to me. And Now, how does that happen? Um. Now, we understand God is speaking, right? Even even in the Gospel, gospel of John, uh, the Father speaks audibly. I think it's in John. Anyways, and all the people there heard it, and yet they had different opinions on what it was. It's amazing. God spoke audibly. Well, it was this. Well, it was that. Well, it was that. So that's why Jesus would say, He who has ears to hear. Let him hear. God wants us to hear. But, you know, we need to tune in. And so that's why believing truth is important. Um, Was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That miracle ministry she had, that powerful ministry. Yeah, they wouldn't accept it. Yeah, it's crazy. She'd go in hotel rooms and people within a vicinity of her, one or two, three floors above and below, her, believers, unbelievers, didn't matter. Just get healed of ailments. You know, she carried such a powerful uh, healing and miracle ministry. Um, but you look at all, look at hospitals. And if you do a little, if you do a little history. Um, Actually, I know a good, really good sermon by an uh, an Australian minister named uh, John. Uh, it, it may come to me here. Jamie Bishop Jamie actually knows him. They used to work a network ministry network together. John, it, it'll come to me, I think. But um, John Alley. I don't know if that's A L L E Y or A L L Y, how he spells it. But John Alley. He's an Australian minister. He has a good, me- incredible message called something like Dispensationalism, uh, The Fall of the Western World, something like that. And he goes through how, where the, the historically how where the gospel advanced, schools advanced, hospitals became prominent, weekends became a, a real where you weren't work like a dog, all these different things. He, he gives you the history of them, of how they came about through Christians. But when dispensational theology spread, once it came to america and america has such wealth and influence it spread many christians under that mentality and i've been there we, you know we're taught oh things have to get worse and worse and really every time things get better it's really a sign of the end and it's really a sign of something dark looming behind it and that type of mentality when we should be the people i mean who does god want to have the wealth and influence the devil good lord look at some of the junk that's on tv hello and so, you know, God wants, I want godly people. When the, when the righteous reign, the people rejoice, the scripture says. And so there's a lot in that I, I'm kind of going on here. But anyways, I'm going to try to wrap up here. Point B, just as Jesus became our sin so we could become righteous, and just as he carried our sickness and disease, pains and sorrows, in like manner he was made our poverty, now, that's in his humanity. When it says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that doesn't mean when he was rich in heaven. It means he was rich as a man. Because him being something in heaven didn't do anything for us per se. He had to become a man to redeem man. Does that You understand that, of course. And so, anyways. Um, in like manner, he was made our poverty, so we as children of God could always have our needs met. And God is all about... He's all about the need meeting business, and I, I'm all for it. I, I've said it many times. I love what Miss Kay said to uh, Phil. You know the rich redneck guys, the Duck Dynasty. I call them the rich rednecks. I love them. I don't think they'd be offended by that at all, right? Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, and I, I like those guys. I'm all for them. And and Miss Kay, Mama Kay, she told Phil one time. Uh, I was watching that show. She told Phil, because you're talking about dirt poor, man. They were dirt poor. Like, dirt poor. But she said, I loved you poor, and I love you rich, and read my lips, rich is better. (laughs) They do. It's baffling. But hey, there you go. Yeah, they're happy. Happy, happy, happy. Yeah, needs are met. I say, you know, there used to be that old saying, you know, get all you can and can all you get. I don't say that, but I do say get all you can and have your needs met and then be a blessing. I enjoy, you know, being a blessing, and I know you guys do too. Uh, And here's another example, of course. Uh, 1 Peter 2.24, quoting from Isaiah at the end of the verse, says, and he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we... Might die to sin and live to righteousness. So you're dead to sin. So now you're, you're righteous. For by his wounds or stripes you were healed. So he just sums it all up there. Just you know. Now he, this word healed in the Greek, which Peter used, is literally means to cure, to heal, or to make whole. This is the same word used commonly all throughout the New Testament to refer to physical healing. Don't let anyone convince you that it somehow just means a spiritual healing of sorts because that's simply and clearly not what it means. Yes, God has given us life in our spirit, absolutely, but he also wants us to have life reigning in our bodies, which means health. And then from Isaiah here where he quoted verses 4 and 5 in Isaiah 53, Surely, Isaiah, by the Spirit of God says, He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and by His stripes we are healed. And then as you see there at the bottom of the page, griefs is the Hebrew word for sickness and disease. Uh, It should be, at least in modern English, it should be translated that way. That's literally what it means. It's surely He has borne our sickness and disease. And then the word sorrows in Hebrew literally means pain or sorrow, whether physical or mental. I mean, the spirit, soul, body, physical problems, mental, emotional problems. You know, one thing, I, uh, I was listening to uh, a lady. Um, you've heard me mention Scott Hahn. Scott Hahn. Dr. Scott Hahn's one of the probably three leading English theologians. Catholic theologians in the world, English speaking Catholic. I just can't talk today on paper or in English or out of my mouth. Three leading English speaking Catholic theologians in the world. There we go. And he is an on fire go-getter, incredible man of God. But I was listening to his wife uh minister one time on you know on YouTube, and she said it and boy, it just man, it clicked me. Clicked, you know, within me. But she basically said something to the effect of you know, you can pray and you can ask the Lord to heal your memories because He's beyond space and time. And God can go into a memory and heal that thing, man, which is just, I never thought of it quite that way, I don't think, or or at least it really hit me when she said it, you know what I mean? And I've, I've been, uh, you know, I pray that and believe the Lord for that ever since I heard her say that, and I feel like it's really helped me to... Um, grow beyond you know some some emotional heart hurts and cuz we all have stuff don't we and we've all had stuff done to us and etc and, and that type of thing and god you know andrew Womack told the story of a teenage girl uh who it came out you know over the years and things had happened and then it came out i think it was her grandfather i you know could have been an uncle could have been a school teacher i don't know i think it was a grandfather who had, you know, sexually violated her for years years on end. And she, you know, took it to the Lord and was absolutely free from what would very often be a crippling, inhibiting, destructive experience, and, and understandably so. But she just, you know, we say grab, you know, grab grabbed the horns of the altar, (laughs) whatever she did, boy, she got healed of that thing. And it just was not a problem for her. And her parents refused to accept that. And you understand you're a parent and you want to, they thought she was in denial, in other words, um, and not dealing with it and and all that. But she has already been healed of it. And it got to the point to where she wouldn't get, she she wouldn't do all the stuff they wanted her to do because she was totally free and healed from it. And it got to the point to where they kicked her out of the house. For not dealing with it, not being honest with yourself, but she was all ready. The Lord went into those memories, went into those places, and absolutely pulled those wicked seeds out and replaced it with perfect love and peace that passes all understanding. You know, and so that's 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 who our Abba is. The Glory Center would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that it is encouraged and ministered to you. We also would like to invite you to check out our website at glorycenter.org.